Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Think back to your baptisms. What do you remember? Probably not very much. We were probably all about yay high and the memories are foggy. Uh, but I think we'd remember uh, a few crucial details. Uh, did the heavens suddenly open up? Anyone? No, okay. Um, did a dove come down and perch on your shoulder? No? Okay. Uh, how about a thundering voice from heaven? No? Okay, if you answered yes to any of those questions, I want to talk with you after the service because I have questions. Um, <laughs> but it's doubtful that any of us had a baptism quite as dramatic as Jesus did. And a dramatic scene it was. The heavens opened, a dove descends, and this voice from heaven booms. This is my son, the beloved now, there's never a direct mention of the doctrine of the Trinity in the Bible, but we do come pretty close here, or at least we imagine we do. Uh, we presume the voice of God, uh, or the voice from heaven to be God the Father, uh, the Dove to be the Holy Spirit, and then, of course, there's Jesus the Son. It's easy to get swept up in all of the details of this spectacular scene to get lost in incomprehensible theology about the Trinity that may or may not actually be in this text. But I think we overlook the deep tenderness of this moment and the words that are actually said. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It's like God telling Jesus, I love you. And the Greek phrase at the end of that proclamation from heaven, well pleased, which sounds maybe a little mechanical and awkward to us, actually means something much closer to like uh, to take delight in. So said another way, this is my son. I love him. He delights me. And so I think that's What's going on here? This idea that God is love, but that God loves, and that God is loved. That's the foundation of Jesus' baptism as he's wrapped in the love of God that goes with him into the wilderness, into his ministry as he goes on to preach and teach and heal and perform signs and wonders and miracles. I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus' baptism is immediately followed by his temptation in the wilderness in Matthew's gospel and by the start of his public ministry. His baptism prepares him to face what's next. 
as he's washed in water and wrapped in the love of God that goes with him. And that feels instructive for us as well. We begin at this font that prepares us to go out into the wilderness, into his ministry, even to the cross, into the tomb, and into resurrected life. It starts here in baptism, where Jesus, we might say, was loved into being, formed to be the person he was meant to be. And if we want to read Trinitarian theology into that, I've always been fond of St. Augustine's famous definition, not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, though that certainly has its place, but St. Augustine frequently thought of the Trinity as lover, beloved, and love. Love is where it begins. Love is the foundation of this story. You are my son, the beloved. I love you. Now, during a time of year when many of us have just come from spending an extended amount of time with family that we love dearly, uh, let's be honest, as much as we love them, it can be exhausting to spend time with them. Family is complicated, right? But being surrounded by family in the flesh, at least for me, this Christmas season, can remind us of who has loved us into being who has formed us into who we are, who brought us perhaps to this font, who nurtured us in our life of faith, who stoked our curiosity, who cheered us on from the sidelines or watched expectantly in the audience. Christina Igaravides tells the story I was listening to on the, the Moth podcast recently. She tells the story of growing up as an only child on the south side of Chicago, raised by her single working mom uh, and her two grandparents. And Christina was especially close to her grandmother, who takes center stage in her story, uh, two peas in a pod, as she describes their relationship. She loved listening to her grandma's stories and sayings, most of which were in her grandma's native Spanish tongue, and one that always stood out for her, whenever her grandmother would listen uh, to classical music, she would say, Como me encanta el violín, how I love the violin. And so when Christina got a chance to choose an instrument in fourth grade band, she chose the violin. She wanted to make her grandma proud because her grandma loved this instrument so much. And she recalls squinting uh, under the bright lights of the stage at one all-city orchestra performance as she's peering out into the audience in between songs uh, for her grandma's sign of approval. And then when Christina went on to attend one of Chicago's top high schools, and she's knee-deep in honors and AP courses and continuing on in orchestra, of course, uh, she would still hear her grandma's encouragement uh, as crisply as she heard it on those early Saturday mornings before she went off to rehearsal. Echale ganas, she would say, give it your all. It's very clear who loved her into being. Christina struggled when her grandma began to decline as her Alzheimer's progressed. As any of us would struggle watching a family member decline from a long-term or life-threatening illness. After all, this was the woman who, uh, who helped her to live her dreams and expand her world 
and effectively launched her life. As Christina tells it later, I got my bravery from her. I got my determination from her. Her words and her sayings helped shape the entire course of my life. We all have stories like that. We all have people like Christina's grandmother who loved us into being, who shaped us into the people we are today, who encouraged us, who cheered us along, who loved us into being. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Anyone else? We shall know Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. If you don't, we're going to have a conversation after service. Um, but I grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood uh, with two people uh, who loved me into being, my grandparents. Uh, and after they picked me up from school uh, when I was younger, and we walked uh, the few blocks to their house, we would go home, have lunch, and turn on Mr. Rogers. And we even placed, remember, I was like this, this, this high. We would place friendly bets and wagers about what color sweater he would wear that day. Uh, this was after Mr. Rogers had transitioned into color TV. Uh, and all of those memories came flooding back to me recently when I was watching the film A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, this recent movie, uh, a, a fictionalized account of Fred Rogers. And it's the story uh, of the young reporter uh, for Esquire magazine, Lloyd Vogel, who's been assigned to do an interview uh, and a story about Fred Rogers. And throughout the movie, Lloyd struggles with his own anger uh, and resentment and disappointment and estrangement uh, and broken relationship with his father. And Fred tries to counsel him and to help him to work through his anger and resentment. And in one particularly powerful scene, somewhere in the middle of the movie, they're sitting down for lunch in a Chinese restaurant in downtown Pittsburgh where uh, Fred Rogers lives. And Fred uh, invites them both to try something. He says, let's take a minute to think of all the people in our lives who have loved us into being. And then something remarkable happened. I've never seen this in a movie before. Everything got quiet. There's no dialogue. Even the restaurant patrons in the background hush their conversations. And in an already quiet theater, somehow you could get it you could feel it get more quiet. Uh, and for a whole minute, uh, everyone is thinking about all the people who love them into being. And so I ask us this morning, who loved you into being? Or who have you loved into being? Let's take a minute to do that. Whoever you're thinking of right now, I hope you'll hold on to that for a little while today. Those are good memories. But also to know this, that even in the best moments we shared or continue to share with those people, that is only a sliver. 
of how much God delights in each one of us. How much God has loved us into being and walks with us into the wilderness, into life's journeys with all of its ups and downs. Fred Rogers, as you know, was also known for his songs, many of which would appear on his TV program, including one with the repeated line, I like you as you are. And if you're hearing that in your head now, you can go on YouTube and look it up later. But it strikes me as a fitting reminder for this day as well. As we hear the story of Jesus' baptism, those words spoken over him in blessing. And as we remember our own baptisms and remember those prayers and those blessings spoken over us, surrounded by our family, by our church community. Because that's the message that God has for us. We are God's children, the beloved. God delights in us. God likes us exactly as we are. Indeed, with Peter, we can say God shows no partiality. And so whoever you are, whatever you are struggling with this day, whatever life throws at you, God, who has loved you into being, loves you even still. Amen.